And we're back with part two of the Stephen King edition of the Heart Guy Media Podcast. I am your host, Jesse H.S., and today I have three of my best friends here to discuss everything Stephen King, from novels they've possibly read to film adaptations that they love, that we love. Uh, We're going to do some top five lists uh, a little bit of everything, and we're just going to kind of free ball, and you're going to get a little bit of insight into you know what a daily group text is going to look like, fully come alive, uh, emojis included. It is 11.56 on a Friday night. There are Halloween lights in front of me, an anthrax flag to my right, uh, ghosts a little bit uh, northeast, southeast, and we have here Eric Tyler. Brian C. Tyler. John Engel. Eric and Brian have both appeared on the podcast. Brian, it's your debut on the Hard Guy Media Podcast. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so obviously we're going to start it off right now with uh, the It remake, just to get it out of the way. I mean, I, I know what everyone thinks so far, but tell me... Overall, how do you guys think it ranks among all the other film adaptations of King's work? It was nice. Oh, that's fucking great. You're, you're a hell of a... Let's come on. Where it ranks? Yeah, we're, do you, is I'm it one of the better... Uh, is it one of the better film adaptations? I think it's one of the most comedic of all. Re- of- I, see, I didn't... I didn't... I mean, I... Uh, the... What's the kid? Uh, Wolford. Wolf, Wolfhard, yeah, from yeah. Stranger yeah. Things. I thought I, he, comedically, yeah, he was hitting on every level, but I didn't, that even played a backseat for me. I didn't even get into I that. I thought the Pennywise character this time was more of a, I thought it was more comedic than. More comedic than I thought so. Tim Curry? I thought Tim Curry had a, the way he portrayed the character I thought was. It, it was it was comedic, but it also he it was like you could tell he was messed up and he was evil. Yeah, but you might this, just think that because of Rocky Horror Picture Show, <laughs> so you just picture him in lingerie. No, I just I just think that the way he I mean I think the new it is I thought it was great and I think it's a great adaptation of the original movie and the book. And I th- yeah I mean me personally seeing it I I laughed a lot I really did <laughs> but, I did I did too especially when they were <laughs> when, when Bowers scald scald them tits all the time I was uh, <laughs> Bridget was smacking me in the arm because I kept laughing I was the only one laughing in the theater like slapping my knee every time they called him tits when uh, they came out of the house after the first encounter with Pennywise and Wolfhard is like this guy's leaking hamburger helper. <laughs> yeah, definitely Finn Wolfhard. Uh, Finn, that was his name. Killed his character is hilarious. Like uh, everyone's character is great in it, but yeah, I mean, I I thought it was. Great, I love that it but, took place in the eighties too. It was cool to yeah. see the Gremlins poster and the Beetlejuice poster, which immediately I went and did, to make sure that they didn't fuck up because I was just like, it's eighty eight and they got a Beetlejuice poster, and I was just like, it came out in eighty eight, and mm-hmm. I was like. Maybe make sure that didn't fucking the timeline matches up and they didn't right. fucking have a Beetlejuice poster in it six months before Beetlejuice came. They had a, oh, a, a Dream Masters poster in the theater. Yeah, yeah. It was well, on the Lethal Weapon 2 was in the theater too. was on the marquee as well, which I thought was cool. But overall, yeah, I got it ranked up. For me, I got it ranked up there pretty high with the rest of them. And I like it better than the miniseries, even though the miniseries kind of holds a, you know, a special place as it does with, I'm sure you guys too. Yeah. But... I mean, what what novels has everyone read of King's adaptation that that can, that are your standouts? And if I can add one more thing about the it remake, I think it's important that it's done so well because it's going to open the door for so many other. Oh, I mean, uh, it's it's killed it. Oh, yeah, we kind of got to talk about that. It's talking hundreds. Of if millions you're of talking dollars, to the biggest budget for thirty million, thirty thirty five million, it was projected to make about sixty five to seventy, I think, and it's like quadrupled that it it 
one of the it most tripled that successful horror film. It, it beat Deadpool. It's the biggest uh, Thursday night opening. It's the biggest uh, R-rated horror movie opening. It's the biggest uh, opening in uh, September. That's crazy. I mean, there's just so many things, and, and it's going to spawn other King adaptations. They're they're going to want to revisit or ones that they haven't touched on really yet. That, that director yeah. said he already wants to tackle Pet Cemetery. I mean, I'm as someone who loves Pet Cemetery, the book and the film are my favorite things, both film-wise, ad- adapted and novel-wise, is Pet Cemetery. I have no problem with them remaking it because, uh, I mean, there's nothing that's ever going to touch the original for me, so I'm interested to see what they would come up with remaking that. Hmm. Especially if they stuck a little closer to the book than the adaptation did. For sure. There's but, already two uh, new King adaptations coming out on Jen Netflix. Did you guys know about those? No. What, what are they? Uh, one is called Gerald's Game, and it's from the director of Hush and uh, Oculus. And oh, you know what? I think I might I even love, heard a little bit about it. I loved Hush. That Hush was a great Netflix original, I think. So Gerald's Game. It's got Carla Gugino in it yeah. from Son-in-Law. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From Son- what is it? Son-in-Law. She's in Son-in-Law and like Holly Shore and Entourage. Snake Eyes, Entourage. What's the premise of that? You're just going to have to watch the trailer. It, I think this guy worked on the film. Yeah, <laughs> He's right? <pitching> it. <laughs> and there's another one I just saw something about it called 1922 with Thomas Jane. Oh, you know what? I, I did see a little uh, something on that. Maybe it was on IMDb. I saw something pop yeah. up about that. But what, uh, Eric, what books have you read? That. So like, what, what was the first, hold on, what was everybody's first introduction to King? Whether it be novel or film. My f- very first thing, ever seeing his name probably, like I said, my father was a big fan of his, so he used to read all his books. So I remember seeing the Different Seasons book. Uh, at my house and kind of skimming through that and that's where all that's like four of his biggest bigger stories right there I'm pretty sure like I know the Stand By Me adaptations and that and uh, Shawshank so that was probably my first really introduction the first time I can't really think of the either the first movie I ever saw was either It or maybe Silver Bullet those are probably my Thinking back. Silver Bullet really is. I think it's one of his most underrated film adaptations. Yeah, people people kind of pull their pants down, spread their cheeks, and shit on it a little too much, I think. I think it's But awesome. those are definitely the two I remember watching uh, the earliest, probably. I don't think it helps that Gary Busey has the reputation that he does now. It's hard for people. It's hard for people to go back, revisit his work, and take anything he did seriously when he's such a lunatic. But or you know the fact that he's the fucking ginger dead man. <laughs> Maybe he'll be an evil bomb seventeen. <laughs> Charles Band's counting on it. What about you, Brian? What was your fir- first introduction? The first time you remember realizing it, you saw like a Stephen King. Whether it be film or did you was your introduction maybe a book? Well, like Eric, I grew up in the same house. The because you're brothers, I think we need to discuss that the Tylers are brothers. So yeah. the Tyler that you heard on the podcast before, this is his esteemed younger brother Brian. So just to clear that. So my dad used to watch movies like It and Silver Bullet and Salem's Lot in front of us, I think, before I was old enough to distinguish, like, movies from reality. So I have a very specific memory, and my dad still makes fun of me for this, of sleeping with a crucifix after seeing Salem's Lot. That's great. Because of that scene where the dude comes to the other dude's window. Um, Silver Bullet... I loved it, but that even freaked me out. I think the decapitation scene specifically in the opening of it. Dude, yeah. Honestly, I remember watching that as a kid, and that fucked me up, too. I was just, for some reason, that always stuck with me. Because I remember watching it in, like, the summertime, for whatever reason. And I remember back, you know, in my uh, meat-eating days, back when I was uh, probably just, I guess, just as fat... But in my cheese in my che- <laughs> in my cheeseburger days, uh, when I you know eat a lot of cheeseburgers, um, I mean I still do, but they're not meat cheeseburgers now. Black bean burgers, yeah, cool. those black bean burgers. Um, I remember watching it in the summertime, and I remember like watching that and being like repulsed by like my burger at that point because I was just like, oh, 
There's fucking like flies. What? <laughs> what film are you talking about? Silver Bullet. Silver Bullet. Oh shit, it transitioned. I, I got confused for a second. Or fucking the drunkard gets his fucking head fucking knocked off. Oh. Like fucking Julius and Jason Takes Manhattan. <laughs> I think we could all agree that decapitations are terrifying and gross. Yeah. yeah. But nothing fucked me up more than it. It still fucks me up. I refuse to watch it when I'm going to bed. It really? Just a couple of weeks ago, when Josh and I were in a hotel room and we were trying to figure out what to watch before we went to bed, it was on TV. I'm like, we can watch something else. I don't know. Tim Curry still makes me really uncomfortable. He yeah. like I, I love find that, that I love that movie, and I still watch it at least once a year. Oh. But I can't watch it before bedtime. I love it, but I like fuck. It's fucking hilarious to me. Whereas yeah. the, the new one is like a little more like creepy and eerie to me. Especially the creepiest scene in the new one is where uh, I can't remember who it is. It's the fucking the one kid. What's his name? Uh, clean freak. The fucking gazebos kid. That is Eddie Casbrack. Yes. Was it him where Pennywise was mocking him crying? Or was that Beverly? Who was he mocking like when they were crying and he was fucking doing the face? I don't know. Now we all sound stupid. Yeah, it was him. But uh, that like was the most haunting part. I was like, this fucking sadistic motherfucker. For me it was the, the very opening scene. Because I just expected Pennywise to pull him down into the sewer. I didn't expect it to be so visceral. Yeah. He bites his arm off, uh, this child, and then he the child's trying to scramble away, and then he still grabs him and pulls him back down through. So yeah. that sort of set back. the page. It's like the opposite for me, where I feel like the original... Much more serious. Like, see, Pennywise, I can't much more. It. I, how can you I, take, I don't want to hold be on, that hold guy. on, hold on. How can you take him, Tim Curry, seriously when he's freaking kissing John Ritter and say, "Kiss me, fat boy." <laughs> okay. But he just the way the way he played it and like his facial features and everything was just no like, float boom. But uh, and I don't want to be that guy. No one can say anything in that voice and make it sound. Funny. And I don't want to yeah, be that guy. But also the CGI kind of. It wasn't that bad. Oh, it wasn't it, bad, it, it and I understand. But, but what I'm saying when the Curry is, yeah, no, it did. That, that CGI spider, Tommy Lee Wallace. Come oh, on. oh, in the no, original. Like, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I'm oh, sorry. What? No, oh, but okay. I'm saying. Like, okay, I was like, what the. You well, yeah, it's like the CG. You're watching a fight on your phone, so they know why. You <laughs> oh, are you? No idea are you what watching the, fuck the fight? No, oh. I'm not. Um, Ryan, stop trying to out me on a podcast. No, yeah, the the CGI spider is awful. But what I'm saying in the in the original, the less. Uh, special effects, or like the less CGI made it more believable. I mean, I understand you have to have CGI nowadays. Was the spider the most believable part? <laughs> <laughs> Forget the spider part. The rest of the of the movie. Or much. was it the fact that they still teetered on the fact that Beverly was, wasn't going to get railed by the Losers Club? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It was in the book! I didn't write it. King did. No, I didn't. Talk about him and his fucking boozing years. I think that... <laughs> I think that in part one of it... The original miniseries, part one, is terrifying. Yeah, part two yes. is where it gets funny. So, there's some middle ground here. You have to admit that part one, from beginning to end... Jesse's face is so ugly, by the way, guys. It's <laughs> terrifying. They don't make Pennywise funny until part two. And they kind of ruin it with the spider at the end. I will agree on that. I want to hear... That's a John, John. Peters fucking spider. I want to hear John's... Uh, yeah, what was your first introduction to King? Be it uh, film or novel. Um, I remember watching The Shining a lot growing up. Because I think it was on... It, it, it was played a lot on television. Um, so I remember watching The Shining, Kubrick's The Shining, and I remember like Eric. <laughs> not Mick Garris's. <laughs> not Mick Garris's. That came a few years. We love later. you, Mick. I know you never listened to this, but if you do, <laughs> we love you. Just not that adaptation. Um, although I love Stephen Weber, uh, but anyway, as far as books are concerned, I, I'm with Eric. Uh, that different seasons book. I remember uh, reading. Reading, reading bits and pieces of that. Uh, Shosh, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption was in there. The Body, uh, Apt Pupil, which got adapted with Jeremy Renfro and Ian McKellen from uh, Lord of the Rings. And I, the fourth story... Is Jeremy a uh, relative of Brad, R.I.P.? 
He's talking about Brad. Oh yeah, it is Brad. Sorry. Oh okay. Joking. Yeah, sorry. He's dead. I just. Heroin. Rest in peace, Brad Renfrew. Yeah. Eh, uh, really though, he was a heroin addict. Well, that's we'll save it for a different day. <laughs> but uh, sorry, I, I that's that's who I. He was a great mind. actor. I will say that he was in a lot of cool shit that I like. He was in. Was he in the Cure? They may have seen that. Is he in Ghost World? Yes, he's in Ghost, Ghost B- World. Bully, Deuces, Ro- Deuces Wild. He was great in everything, but That's... it's a shame that he was stupid enough to put a fucking Isn't needle he in his arm. Kid in um, that movie with Susan Sarandon. The Client. The Client. The Client. That movie's a good movie. I like that. I, yeah, I just watched that. I definitely think that's probably one Well, let's of... veer off fucking obscure crime dramas from the <laughs> mid-90s. Well, I think that that, that app pupil film's uh, probably one of King's more obscure yeah, adaptations. Definitely. I don't think people... No. Most people have seen it, um, which is a shame because, you know, to give you some background, Ian McKellen, I believe the, he's a Nazi... Who's living in the states and Renfro finds out and starts to blackmail him and um, yeah so that 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 I, I remember that and uh, and then since then it's just been all king. Now all right, I also With want to the, point out yeah it also helps that in one of my favorite movies, The Monster Squad, Stephen King rules T-shirt obviously really oh yeah that also like kind of. Well, these kids like it, so I gotta like it. It's absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess, I mean, I kind of already touched this on the the part where I had uh, Lou on, and we kind of talked about the first time we Stephen King kind of got introduced to us. For me, it was obviously Pet Cemetery, and that we introduced me to everything. Everything I am now, I think I owe to that story in that film. Introduced me to punk rock. Introduced me to my favorite band of all time, The Ramones. And my favorite King movie, obviously, I saw that adaptation. I immediately went and found the book as soon as I was smart enough to fucking actually grab a book. Because, I mean, unfortunately, in my house, books were... <laughs> I mean, that's something... I, like... I think we had a couple Bibles under... under we had them under... No, we had them, no, we had them under the couch because, like, the fucking, like, little peg leg fell off. So we had to level a couch out. in the furniture Bibles. <laughs> a couple of Bibles holding up. I will say I haven't done enough. I definitely, I mean, because he's wrote, he's wrote so much stuff. Is that you know, I'd love to read all of it. I mean, I, I definitely I, the, when I look at his bibliography, there's like so much stuff I've ne- I haven't read. I haven't read so. a fraction of it to be honest. With you. Wait, is that the term it. for like your like catalog of your books yeah, bibliography? Right. Did I say that right? Yeah. Is that yeah. what it is? I I've never. Jen, you want to weigh in on this bibliography, Jen? Bibliography. Is that what it's called? Yeah, right. Yeah. For for writing. Yeah. Well, there you have it. And you're right. That is an extensive bibliography. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can Google that. But, uh, I think we should start a band called Extensive Bi- Bibliography. But it doesn't help when they're so massive. Then we got to sell furniture levelers called the Bible. <laughs> from the bibliography you're saying, you're saying his books are so it, his books are massive the, yeah. the majority of them it's, yeah, it's no, I, I can't I it would it would probably take me at least 12 years All right, to well, we'll do. well hold on hold on we'll do film adaptations top 5 I'll start since you guys are indecisive it's way too hard it's not that hard Okay. Just cut out some of the dog shit you put in the list. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, one through five, maximum overdrive. Dog. <laughs> no, it was uh, sad because he directed that. If I had to do top five, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to count Creep Show because a couple of those stories he had already written, and then they wrote the rest for the screen. So, so Creep Show is 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 out for all of us then. Yeah, I wouldn't put Creepshow in there as much hey, as the scores playing. How many stories in, in Creepshow did he write? I believe three. Well, he, he wrote, wrote them all. all of them. But I mean, but three that, were written I'm, prior. You know what I mean? You know it. Shit. <laughs> so okay, he wrote three out of five stories in Creepshow. He wrote originally. A, yeah, you know what the fuck I mean. So why can't we count Creepshow if over half of the movie is based on stuff that he wrote, adapted? I don't know what it makes a difference anyway if you wrote it specifically. I say five is too tough, and I can't wait to hear everyone's, but it's just too tough. All right, Josh, I mean, it's creep show, uh, fine. You want to know what? Fucking throw creep show in there because it's too good, no. and it's my number fucking two. Okay. So shut up. 
All of you motherfuckers. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, right. thanks for fucking going to bat like you were fucking Jim Wynerski. <laughs> You're welcome, George Romero. Alright, so okay. next, what are the other four? Well, hold on. Your IMDB in it, bitch. I want to make sure my list cheating. is accurate, assholes. I have my top five. I can go first. Okay, okay. go first then, Brian. These aren't in order. They're oh, just my five. Give me an order. Fucking just decide on an order. No, don't hold it. No. Are you cutting this part out of the podcast? <laughs> no. We can record live to tape, and I don't fucking edit for dick. Carrie. Oh. The Shining. Hmm. Pet Cemetery. Uh-huh. It. The original miniseries. Stand by me. That was five. That's your word? Yeah. <laughs> that is my that's opinion. A, that's a <laughs> that's a solid list, bro. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to sound sarcastic. Eric, what do you got? It's just too hard for me. Oh my god. Uh Silver Bullet, Stand By Me. Wait, what order is this? This is my order. Okay. Silver Bullet, Stand Five to by One me. or One to Five? One to Five. Okay. Again, Silver Bullet, Stand By Me. It's just way too hard. I'm just... I've never seen that. <laughs> you never seen what? No, you said it's way too hard. Uh, I'm going to go Pet Cemetery, It, and The Shining. John? You don't have to do it in order, because I'm not going to do it in order. Well, I'm going to go in order, because okay. everyone else did, so I'm going to stick with that template. One, Stand By Me. Two, The Shawshank Redemption. Three, Storm of the Century, which, granted, King wrote a script for specifically f- to become a television miniseries, but I still count it. Four, Riding the Bullet. Five, that was my wild card, by the way. Five, The Shining. <laughs> All right. One to five, Pet Cemetery. Stand By Me. Wait, you all fought to have Creepshow in there, and then you didn't even put Creepshow in your top five? I was doing it like... I'm funny. the only one who really fought to put Creepshow in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the fact that we decided not to put Creepshow Okay, okay, fine. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Stand by me. Cujo. Fuck. <laughs> I forgot Cujo. Hold on. Alright. Pet Cemetery, stand by me. Cujo. Salem's Lot. That's so right. No. Speaking of creep show, and what an amazing score. Whenever I hear this tune, I think of the the crate beast. It is great. And uh Christine, number five. Oh, I never I saw it coming. I could easily put, like, Shawshank in. You can put Salem's Lot in. It's, like, impossible to just do five. Can I say something? But a lot of those are shit on. A lot of people don't revere them as much as some people. Probably, well, yeah. Which is stupid, but... So I have Shawshank never seen the Shawshank Redemption or the Green Mile. I'm pretty sure the Shawshank Redemption's on, like... People's list for like greatest movie of all time. Of all time, yeah. it is amazing. Yeah, it's Green amazing. Miles underrated. Yeah. I think to a I mean, certain Green extent. Miles good. And if you ever saw the story, Eric talked about different seasons. That is the, if I oh, recall, oh. that's the shortest novella in there. It's like yeah. it's it's only a few, it's it's only a handful of pages long. And and to translate that into a three hour long I film know. is amazing. Wait, I need to revise my list. Uh-oh. No, no one cares about our lists. I don't, well, they don't. They can fucking shut the podcast off then. And don't fucking ever try to fucking downplay what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can't believe I threw Christine on when I didn't do Silver Bullet. So my list is, and I don't give a fuck if you care or not. If you don't, fucking keep it on regardless. Pet Cemetery, Stand By Me, Cujo, Silver Bullet, Salem's Lot, my top five. Fuck, send me your top five. Comment on a fucking thing. All six of you. Give us five stars. Five fucking stars. four of us are sitting right here. <laughs> Shut up. We don't need this sort of self-deprecating humor on this podcast. No, we're not Kevin Tenney. You don't have to. <laughs> Needful Things, too, is a great one. Oh, man. The Stand. Even though people think that's, like, super cheap. Trucks. 
<laughs> Come on, trucks with the guy from uh, what's that movie? Wait, that baseball movie where the kid buys the Minnesota. The guy that plays or, uh, uh, Little Big League. Little guy, Big League. The guy from Little Big League. Hey, trucks. the guy that plays the devil in the stand is also the dad in uh, <laughs> fucking. He's also the dad in what was that Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie? Wild America. You remember that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I remember where they shoot, that. Where they shoot the film? Yeah. The, the brothers go out. Yeah, it was a film. great film. Yeah. JTT, rest in peace. <laughs> He's not dead, is he? I don't know. His career, maybe, but... Oh, him. definitely his career. Um, uh, it's a whole different podcast, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Here's, a, here's another <laughs> spin on the question you just asked. What are some of your least favorite King adaptations? What are some that you've seen that you're like, this is shit, I'll never watch Thinner. this again? What? <laughs> I just I hate thinner. I, I don't know what it thinner. is. I can't. I mean, it's not fucking great, but uh, for some reason, I just like. Yeah, I don't know. I just despise. Okay, that's it. it's because the sh- the shit RoboCop's in it. <laughs> no, I just. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's a Tom Holland Stephen King adaptation that's actually worth your time. You want to see one that's not worth your time, and I don't recommend it. Watch The Langoliers by Tom Holland. That's the yeah. You want to talk about a fucking. A turd with fucking no attempt at putting polish on it. (laughs) (laughs) Langoliers, fucking garbage. Right? I would like to say that, and you guys might kill me for this. Say I always thought Children of the Corn was overrated. Oh my fucking And it never lives up to that opening scene. Well, Well, we can't all suck Kubrick's dick. New Arrow release of that coming out. Well, okay. You want me to give you a bullshit one? Carrie. Carrie's a shit film adaptation. (laughs) I respect your opinion. (laughs) Travolta's best work. (laughs) No? Not better than Wild Hogs, I'll tell you that. Okay, you can't respect my opinion. I refuse to fucking let you respect my Wait, opinion. Wait, so you don't like Children of the Corn and you opinion. don't like Carrie. And that's interesting because both of those are pretty revered in his collection, so... I know. That is a, that's an interesting take. What's your least favorite? Besides the fucking language? He wants to say Thinner. No, I actually... Eat this fucking I enjoy Thinner. I'm with you. fucking lose weight. Die fuck. clean, white man from town. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I enjoy thinner. Honestly, I, I'm not a huge Carrie fan, uh, but I I'm, not saying, I'm not saying corn. it's the worst. But I love Children of the Corn. Yeah, I don't know how you dislike it. Honestly, Cat's if you want to see Cat's Eye, was kind of as much as I love Mick Garris, the vast majority of King's worst adaptations were directed by him. Because what's that one with Ron Perlman? Desperation. That is definitely. I don't care what anyone says. Top five worst. King adaptations ever. Awful, awful movie. The Mangler, people don't like that. Oh, I think yeah. it's alright. I think it's hated pretty campy. It's, you, know. you hated it. I Toby's yeah. dead and you hate you hate something of his? Yeah, I hate a lot of movies <laughs> that dead directors have made. <laughs> I haven't seen the uh, Dolores Claiborne one. That's uh, I love Dolores Claiborne. That is in my top ten. It's funny because there's... There's two distinct variations of King films. You either have dramas, which are like Stand By Me and Shawshank and Dolores Claiborne, or you have your straight horror films. So it's very interesting that the same guy wrote all these things. Did anyone see his newest before it, The Dark Tower? Did anybody see that? Yes, I saw The Dark Tower. What'd you think? I'm pretty sure it probably did not resemble the books in any way at least that's what i'm hearing there's like a bunch of those books right but it's, as yeah, it's like a whole series a film it was very entertaining i loved the acting had some good action honestly a lot of his short stories that were ad- adapted were awesome you you're talking silver bullet graveyard shift people shit on graveyard shift i love it uh sometimes they come back fucking amazing those two of those you introduced to me, and I love them. Sometimes, which which two did I introduce to you? Sometimes they come back in Graveyard Shift. Yeah, I love both of those. Well, let me tell you, that particular collection to jump from film to his uh, to his writing that sometimes they come back came out of a book called Night Shift, and two of King's all time best work in my opinion, story-wise, came out of that book. Um, One's called Last Rung on the Ladder, which is amazing, and the other one's called uh, 
strawberry something. Um, Shortcake? <laughs> no, it's called Strawberry That's Spring. That's BT's bedroom name. <laughs> <laughs> strawberry okay. Spring, and it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. So those are two of my personal favorite stories. Don't feel bad, Brian. Mine's banana split. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I mean, did anyone... Does that, what do you think they should either remake that's already been adapted or something that they haven't touched novel-wise that they should for King? I'd be interested to see two of them that come to mind. I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to see another Salem's Lot, but I think it would be interesting. I didn't see that Rob Lowe one. Did fresh, you ever see that I've one? Seen that, yeah, They've kind of... I'll size. tell you what. Some of the, like, classic monsters have kind of just... They've been shit and pissed on. Because uh, you don't see any good vampire movies anymore. You don't You don't see any werewolf movies. Uh, you know, we kind of got stuck with Twilight movies for vampires the last decade. And for werewolf, we have a shitty MTV adaptation of Teen Wolf. And it's all garbage. It's all bullshit. And they haven't put out a decent vampire or uh, werewolf movie that I can really think of. I mean, if you think Stakeland, like, but... Let me in. Like, I... <laughs> Yeah, it's foreign film, but the only other one I can think of that I think would be cool well, is like a let the right one ends a foreign film. Let me in. Is... Oh, yeah, one was a... Chloe Grace yeah. Moretz. Yeah, I was yeah. talking about the the one that I like is gotcha. the foreign one there. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you like the other one? I, I didn't even see it to be honest no, with you. That was pretty good. It's really yeah, good. I saw it in theaters. Really good. You saw yeah. it in theaters. We saw but that, oh yeah, we did. But that original yeah, like that, one. that original <laughs> one is a phenomenal yeah. vampire flick and, and like you said Stakeland's amazing I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I've seen recently but I can't I just think like I said it would be an interesting take the other one would be The Stand I think uh, The Stand could be done really fucking I mean. well like, like, TV, do you think that they'll do you think they'll do that though because if it's gonna it's been so successful I believe they've already started talking about it I, I heard with it, it, I heard it somewhere that McConaughey was attached to that, or was that strictly the Dark Tower? I don't with, know. Well, with it being a two-part miniseries originally, and now they're splitting it into two films. And do you think they could do that with the Stand? Have two two and a half hour epic movies to kind of wrap up the Stand? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it has such a pull before, anyway coming into the theaters. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. know it. You talk about the movie, everyone. Knew Here's it. something. The stand, I don't think, has much weight. I don't think... The no, it didn't have as much... I so mean, I, I don't know if they could do I think two the, da- the danger of doing that is that you don't know how the first chapter is going to... How the first chapter is going to do. Right. Do you really want to invest that much money? It could also be a Netflix original. Maybe. I mean, but... Who knows? Yeah. Uh, something I'd like to see be remade. Sometimes they come back. I feel like you could get A-list stars... Take put it right in the fifties or I think it was the it was yeah like fifty five or fifty six maybe fifty seven fifty eight or fifty nine uh, something between fifty five or Not, sixty. I agree with you completely. But think about if you got some really good looking a list stars to do that. I mean, they would never do it because they get paid way too much money to not appear in horror movies because they just shit on horror movies. But, like, picture, like, Ryan Gosling being, like, the leader of that. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Playing the Robert Russell character for for sometimes they come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would be so cool to see. And nostalgia is such a huge factor. People would love to see... Uh, I think they'd love to see something like that. At least I would. I mean, because I love that film. And if you haven't seen any of these short... A lot of the short stories that were adapted were just so good. I mean, Children of the Corn was a short story. Silver Bullet was a short story. I mean, uh, The Lawnmower Man. You're not a fan? (laughs) (laughs) Graveyard Shift was a short story. Obviously, sometimes they come back. Short story. I mean, I thought there were so many... Awesome ones. They, Tommy Knockers is another one. They could do like a TV show, or they could do a two-part movie. But as Eric said, it doesn't really it doesn't have the weight that like an it has. It's always yeah. had this kind of lure about it. But honestly, as much as it has a lure about it, it's because of that original movie, movie. gained so much steam. And I just think like the cl- like so many people are afraid of clowns for some reason. So. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help that you have these fucking clowns running around. Yeah, like less than you. I was I just texted that to Jesse. I was like, uh, I think in the group text about how 
like less than a year ago, people were running around dressed up like clowns. Well, they had it was like uh, I think it was like in Liverpool or something. They had a fucking clown chase a little girl like yeah. in the fucking street six, at like yeah. six o'clock in the morning. So. Like what the? F- that's commitment. How the fuck are you dressing up as a clown chasing a kid at six o'clock in the morning on a weekday? We Save that shit. I know you got that red nose. The Shining, it would be interesting to see a new take on that. Yeah, because... Because as classic as the Kubrick version is, eh. you can dislike it all you want, but you can't say it's not a classic. I'm not saying anything. Yeah, with King on that one. I, think it's, I don't think it's awesome. I don't know why he would... Uh, but, well, he doesn't... Well, okay. does he, he's gonna, shit on it, though, okay. hasn't he? Yeah, listen, no, King hates listen the to me, guys. Yeah. Okay. He kicked him off the set. So basically what Kubrick did was take the book, the basic outline of the book, and gutted out all the substance and replaced it with his own symbolism. And there's a really great character arc in the book with him struggling with his like alcoholism and trying to be a good man for his family. That's not in the movie. That's not in the Kubrick movie at all. Like... Jack Nicholson wants to murder. No, I mean they touch upon that, but you don't see him. Whole motivation for him. You don't see him like struggling with it. You don't see him going back and forth or like having any like internal angst about it. He pretty much just seems like he wants to kill his family (laughs) from the beginning of the movie. Well, I mean that's what Kubrick and I kind of had this discussion with Lou earlier. I thought you had a discussion with Kubrick. He no. Say you had the discussion with Kubrick. Oh no! Like, you son of a bitch! How'd you manage it? <laughs> no, uh, I had a discussion with Lou about how Kubrick kind of like when he started doing that. You know, apparently there's rumors that King got kicked off set. I don't know. What do you mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> what do you work for TMZ? <laughs> uh so I think Kubrick is someone who just knew what he wanted or whatever. So he really didn't give a fuck what King wanted. Uh, and he just, like, took the parts he took, and he, he was going to make it what he wanted it, what his vision of The Shining was, yeah. um, which I can respect, but the same t- by the same token, like, I think Kubrick was a little full of himself, and he's, like, he kind of thought of it more as his story than, you know, this wasn't written by you, this isn't really, it's your vision, because you're the director, but, you you know, you didn't, you didn't write. Right, right, but I'm not bashing the original movie at all. I love the original. I think movie. it's, I think I it's just... fun. It's fun, especially to throw on in the winter time. But yeah. I mean, I think it gets a little too much smoke blown up its ass, and I think people revere it a little too much. And the Mick Garris version was a little more faithful to the novel, but it also cast in horribly. It had a low budget though. Ugly kid is Danny. <laughs> a budget's not going to fix that. yeah no amount of money can fix that ugly this Uh, i mean it just was it was bad it was this is the second time you've called someone out for being ugly first being myself and now you're calling out this poor sad bastard that fucking starred in fucking mick garris's film ladies and gentlemen i'm brian c tyler and i am a very shallow piece of shit (laughs) there's no debating that so here's a question for you now listen but i'm not done all right well, now I forgot what I was gonna say. Perfect. So, well, you're done. <laughs> it's not so much a King thing, but like we're like we're talking about how Kubrick took that story and made it his own. So, say you were a director, and so, and you were like, do you feel like you need to go right off of what someone wrote? Or I mean, well, isn't that well, kind of the job of the director to? Yeah, but how far? If you're adapting from a novel, I mean, how far do you take it? Well, I think. You're limited, and that's why so much of King's work has turned into television miniseries, or they've, you know, they've been split into multiple parts. You're talking books that are hundreds, thousands of pages long. It, it, it's it's easy to write a page um, on paper to translate that into dialogue for a script, or you know, scenes for a script. It all costs money. It all takes time, and you can't have a freaking eight hour long theatrical movie. So it's like Kubrick cut out parts of it. King, when you read King's stuff, there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of characters, yeah. and there's a lot of different plot points. Whereas, and- do you think? Do you think with The Shining? I mean, do you think some people would probably refer to it as leadership or or, <laughs> or you know? 
Well, I don't know. I think it's overrated, but it is like iconic. I remember watching it as a kid, and that is one movie I think the only reason I I hold it in uh, you know a likable regard is for nostalgic purposes. Got a few, I don't. It's got a few pretty creepy. creepy yeah, scenes, it definitely so. does. But at the same time, I can't take Jack Nicholson serious. The I bathtub just, scene is you know still freaks me out. And Danny really Torrance for for that being like his one and only. Acting gig is freaking. He's awesome. riding that fucking carpet and right through every convention. At conventions, though, yeah. <laughs> I would yeah. just like to say I think Shelley Duvall is a very beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> she was. Okay. Poor thing. What's his name? Uh, she was until she flew that it, fucking Adams Family broom into the fucking crazy tree and hit every fucking Dick branch Hellman. seven times. Scatman Crothers. Scatman. Scatman. Eh? He plays Dick Halloran. He's one of the greatest characters in film history. But I'm not here to talk about him right now. I'd like to talk about, we were just talking about Kubrick took some dramatic licenses and made The Shining, and King was not happy. But sometimes it pays off to do stuff like that, because De Palma changed quite a bit from the Carrie novel. King loved all his changes, said they were better than his decisions. To to be fair, King was also heavily boozing. Well, and and (laughs) And also, yeah, it's so interesting to note that King has shit on numerous adaptations that we all love. Right. Not, I'm not just talking about. Has he shiny. ever shit on Pet Cemetery? Does he anybody shit know? Hard on uh, um, Cycle of the Werewolf. Didn't he Silver write? Bullet? Yeah, he, he demolished it. There's so many good movies that if you read his thoughts on them, you're like, come on, King. Right. He wrote the screenplay for Pet Cemetery, didn't he? I think I'm he, sure he was heavily involved. Oh no, he was. I mean, he obviously appeared of it. I don't think he's, but I know some even oh, wow. films that he's liked, that he's went on to like. He's actually, you know, kind of uh, voice well, display. Do we know that he like loves that? I'm what? God, John, do you know what he thought about riding the bullet? I know you're a big riding the bullet fan. Uh, he was very complimentary of it, and actually, it's on the cover of the of the. Of the, the the release, the DVD, King says, you know, he thought it was the best and most faithful adaptation of his work since Stand By Me. That's heavy praise. And on the back, Frank Darabout, you know, says how touching it is. It, it it's either a uh, people feel either very strongly one way or the other. They love it or they hate it. For me, it just connected with me. I had a similar type of mother and. Um, I don't know, I just found it to be very powerful. Well, I that was a movie I'd never really even <clears throat> honestly heard about until you introduced me to it. And I think I might even, we might have went to FYE and I might have cold bought it after your recommendation and watched it and I loved it and I thought it was great and I thought the cast was great and I thought it was just... For, for what it was, for, a, for I believe that was an audio book that it it was something he had, he had written... Sp- Specifically, if I'm not mistaken, um, to be read out loud and uh, for that. You guys to be... haven't seen Riding the Bullet, have you? No, I've it's, I think it's awesome. Yeah, is David I, Arquette. In it? Yes, yeah, he is. He's one oh, of the main like characters. When, when you're talking Barbara Hershey, David Arquette, Barbara Hershey, um, it, it 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 doesn't have a big cast, but the few people in it. Um, what's that kid's name? I think his, his last name's Jackson. I, I believe. Is Joshua um, Jackson? N- Wait, no, that's the kid from Joshua Jackson's brother, though, isn't it? Is it? Is it his brother? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. So, yeah. but I think he, he I don't know why he's pitch perfect in that role, and uh, I just love that film. Uh, no, it's, so much. It's funny because right around that time is about the time you and I became friends, <laughs> and actually, our friendship started from a king. Uh, stemmed from King because you were reading we worked at the same uh, facility more or less and you were reading Under the Dome and I said oh you're a King fan and then it kind of just sparked from there and that's where you know our friendship started was actually from me noticing that you were reading a King book and then we obviously dived into it and found out that we had the same birthdays and Eric just says we're in love with each other all the time and you know, <laughs> like that. we all talk about it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, that's uh, that's what at what? You know, well, this is a good kind of segue too. At what point? Because I mean, me and Brian, you and I have been friends for a while, uh, over ten years now. Uh, but what is that face for? 
What are you talking about? Yeah, I guess we're not really friends. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, at some point, I want to say it was, like, probably, like, 2010, like, we're kind of going to horror conventions and being, you know, talk, constantly talking about mm. movies and horror movies and stuff like that kind exactly. of became, like, one of the main focal points of uh, of our friendships. November 2009 is when we went to our first convention. It's yeah, almost eight whole years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not go to that convention. Well, you that. went, you but you started going with us, and then it became a tradition. It's kind of a shame that King doesn't do any of those conventions, but, I mean, if I had his money, I guess I fucking wouldn't do Does anything he either. Still live, like, in he still lives in Maine. Right, yeah, yeah Maine, he still lives in Maine. So. Which... Which is another thing I've kind of said always about his stories, too, that, like, the setting plays a main proponent of all of his stories. Like, it almost feels like he's always described it in his in his books, uh, you know, kind of where it was, it almost played a, a role, mm. just the setting of it. Like, in you, when you hear, the, you know, the town of Ludlow described in... Castle Rock. Uh, yeah, Castle Rock. And I, and and I think... You know, from what I read, I believe this is the case. He's very unique because he's retained all the rights to his own work. So that's how he's able to build this this mythology. And he's able to build uh, characterization from one novel to the next. And like in Dolores Claiborne, he can drop, you know, a character from one of his other books name. You know, he can he can interconnect the towns and the characters because he's. He, he hasn't sold the rights to these things out. So most authors, you know, once if, if you wrote something and somebody else owns the rights to it now, well, you can't write a new book and keep referencing things that happened in another book. Yeah. Um, so I think that's interesting. He's uh, he's managed to retain retain the rights, and uh, so he's able to do that where he has multiple stories taking place in Castle Rock or you know the different the different places in Maine. And you and, just brought up something else, right? That was in Cary. The Stand By Me thing? Or was it Yeah, Carrie? Was in, it... in Carrie, um, Teddy Duchamp owns a gas station that Carrie destroys while she's rampaging through town. And that was obviously written before Stand By Me, so... I mean, he must name... Maybe he names characters after people he, he knows. Um, yeah, I would imagine that's probably the case. Because he obviously wasn't referencing Stand By Me, the body, before he wrote it. Yeah. I, you know, it's kind of, and I like that, like, things like, they just, even when these movies are filmed and they're not always filmed in Maine, even though I know that a lot of, almost all of Pet Cemetery, if not all of it, was filmed in Maine. Um, I know certain things like, uh, like, I think even like Creepshow 2, they did some of that in, in Maine to be faithful to the, the source material and then... Um, you know, some of it they had to, I, you know, move elsewhere. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's cool how all his all his work, primarily not always. You know, you had you talked earlier today about uh, Sidewinder over in Colorado with yeah. Shining and stuff. Sometimes he branches out of the Northeast, but it's cool how the majority of it is is located up here. Yeah, in the Northeast, kind of where we're located. Uh, I guess what's the lasting legacy? for king in each of your eyes like what's what do you revere him as is is, you know not only as a writer but someone who's provided the platform for all these films to be adapted that you know we kind of all grew up on and everything what do you think is the lasting legacy of stephen king i mean his last name says it like i mean he's the king think about how much Think about how many films and just everything that he's he's uh, you know wrote and had his hand in. It's insane. We talked about other directors, but I feel like uh, when it comes to writing, I mean, he's just like he's killed all those guys. I mean, think, like I said, think about all, every story he's wrote, he's wrote, and every film. I mean, is there any other any other author that's had this many movies uh, adapted from his from his work? I, I don't know. I mean, I. No, I highly doubt it. Yeah, so. it's ex- it's extensive. I think his his legacy is still is still being written. No pun intended. Just because, um, like you guys said earlier, everything he's writing is still being adapted, 
into, right. you know, he's 70 years old and the guy's still releasing books, which are still being adapted. Um, you know, just in a, in a very short period of time, just this summer, you had two major blockbusters and it in the Dark Tower before that. Yep. And I remember, you know, recently there was that James Franco one where if if, if JFK hadn't been assassinated. Oh, yeah, it was like the date, like 11, 22. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever the date was that, that JFK was assassinated, how would that have changed history? That turned into a big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, he's doing... Uh, they have you know theatrical stuff, but then like Brian said, there's stuff specifically on Netflix. It just seems like you know the sky's still the limit with him. I think there's going to be a lot of stuff adapted yeah. long after he's gone. Between novels, movies, television. I mean, think about all the television miniseries. What do you think sure. though? Like in thirty years, when hopefully he's still alive. But I mean, years old. Hundred hundred years old. Done? Just turned seventy. Oh my God. But, you know, what are you going to think, like, what are you going to tell, you know, if you ever, what, how do you describe what he's done? I mean, you kind of said it, like, his last name says it all, like, he is the king. And that's where I think it kind of, the waters get muddied, is people are like, people kind of just hold him as this horror writer. And this, whole, you know, that horror movies have been adapted from all of his film, all of his novels and things like that. But when you really think about everything that he really has had his hand in, you think about, we just talked, we talked about it earlier, you know, the Shawshank Redemption is regarded as one of the greatest movies of all time. Not even like, you know, it's the great one of the greatest stories Boy. ever told to film. And then you talk about like Stand By Me. Stand By Me is probably the greatest coming of age tale ever probably the greatest story of friendship that i think anybody could relate to i mean obviously boys more than girls and you know men more than women uh having those friends that you grow apart from or whatever but those friends that you'll you know you never had you know the friends like i had when i was 12 that line yeah so it's uh it's, I think, as Eric said, his last name says it all. He's the king. But what I think is more important is what he kind of builds is like a horror, is not only like a horror writer or just, just a storyteller in general who's kind of like you hold all these. What the fuck was that? I thought I heard a bird or something. Yeah, I don't know. I heard some. Yeah, that's, that, that's another good one. The Dark Half. Oh, the dark half's great. Check that one out. And what do you think? The sparrows are. Do I have anything to say about his legacy that you guys didn't just say in the past ten right. minutes? No, but I, I would have... like to talk about how, and you guys will probably laugh at me for this, but I think he sort of shaped me into the man I am today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's hilarious. No, I um, I completely agree with that. So. I mean, I got into horror films from watching the movies based on his books. I read some of his books. I started writing because of that. Like, I'm going to school right now to learn to become a filmmaker and a writer so that I can be, like, half as good as he is. How about quarter good? Would you sell for as quarter? Should I'd sell for one one million? <laughs> so I yeah, found, uh, I'd settle for anything. I found I'll take list, anything I can get, guys. I found a list that he recently did of his of Stephen King's eight favorite movies. So I thought it, it would be interesting. Of his adaptation, of his own? is that it? No, of just like his favorite oh, movies in general. Okay, okay. Was I that bet you Night of the Living Dead's. No, no, yeah, let's hear it though. So I will admit I've only seen maybe two of them or three of them or something like that. So the first one is a movie called Sorcerer. 1977, William Freakin. Yeah, that's a great one. That's uh, with uh, Chief Brody from Jaws. What's his... Uh, Roy uh, Scheider. Roy Scheider. The yeah. second one... That's a great I'm one. I'm probably going to botch this. It's from 1955 called Les Diabliques. Diabliques. Oh, that's a great movie. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, like, wished... I haven't seen either one of those, boys. Yeah, so it's, it looks like a I French director. Uh, 1979, I have seen this one, The Changeling. With uh, George C. Uh, Scott there. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yes. Uh, 1957, Night of the Demon. Looks like it's... Uh, not the Kevin Tenney version. Not the Kevin Tenney <laughs> Not Night of the Demon. Uh, 1960, A Village of the Damned. With the kids, you know that. Yeah, yeah, that uh, was not the Carpenter, Christopher No, nope, not the Carpenter story. one. Although I do like that one, too. That's a decent one. Uh, 
1972 uh, Spielberg Duel. Yeah, love that movie. Um, and uh, I think that was his, I think that was Spielberg's first film, right? His first theatrical release. One man, one truck, one fight to the death. Love it, man. '86, uh, The Hitcher is on there. Uh, Robert is that, Harmon. Is that the C. Thomas Howell one, or is that yeah. is that the? Yeah, Rucker Howard. Yeah. Oh, uh, Robert Harmon. And then '86, uh, The Stepfather, which is interesting. Wow! Uh, wow! Really? Yeah. That is a good. Both those are amazing. Stepfather. They're great. Stepfather and two are they phenomenal. Are awesome. I mean, but I definitely not, didn't expect that. <laughs> no, of no. all the freaking films yeah. he could have dropped. Yeah, right. I mean, he's uh, and that's what's crazy too is, you know, are we gonna? It, it's interesting to see what else is gonna get made now. Now that it is such a big bang and boom, what you know? What are they gonna pull out? Pet Cemetery is obviously a, a, a fan favorite, so and that seems like it's all but confirmed that that's gonna you know that they want that that that's on the block. Well, we all yeah. know how uh, we all know how the current st- state of cinema is, where if money's being made, they're gonna push it out. Oh yeah, I think we know that with like the yeah, this director is gonna be able to do whatever he wants right now. Yeah, he's on he fire. says he wants to make Pet Cemetery, so. but it's a lot like the like the Marvel stuff. Like that's I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now, out. and hopefully you know we can push this uh, this episode out to as many people as possible. I would love to audition for the role as Timmy Baderman. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play I Zelda. I can definitely better. play a, a, a fat. Half zombie buried in the pet cemetery from World War Two. <laughs> I don't know if uh, yeah, you'd be perfect for it. That, <laughs> BT, you'd be a great Zelda. Yeah. So this is uh, th- this is sort of playing off what Eric just said. He this was from a couple of years ago. King said uh, was talking about his favorite uh, adaptation of his work. He s- didn't hesitate. Probably Stand by Me. I thought it was true to the book, um, and because it had the emotional uh, gradient of the story, it was moving. I think. Um, I think it was even scary. He talks about uh, Stand By Me, Shawshank Redemption, Green Mile, all great ones, he said. Misery's a great film. Dolores Claiborne, uh, really good film. Cujo is terrific, he said. Notably absent from the list, Kubrick's 80s adaptation of The Shining. But yeah, so that was... Uh... So he does some of, he does like some of the, you know, some of the ones that we all like as well, yeah. so... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we've covered about everything we could possibly, I guess, cover for the Kane. only negative about him is he's a Red Sox fan. It's the only thing I could say. Yeah, that does suck. Other than that, and he's, he gets way too political on social media, which Jesse and I discovered. But we'll give him a we'll give him a pass since he, you know, yeah, he's been run over cool. by a van and you know been doing <laughs> drugs since the '60s. I think everyone right now who has a voice feels like they need to be political because of the state of the time. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Well, now, gentlemen, we have a voice, and I refuse to be political. <laughs> he also has a cute dog. Does he? What it's kind a, of dog? A corgi. I do like corgi. He calls it. And apparently he's really he's really accommodating to people that stop up outside his spider web gate up in Bangor. Sometimes he gives people tours of his house. He's got house big gargoyles out in front yeah. of it. And... I hear he's a, he's a pretty cool guy. I like him. Steve, we love you. Thanks, Steve. I love all you, Steve. Your, for all your contributions. All right. Final. Uh... I guess the final thing I want to say is kind of what we <clears throat> kind of all touched on. I mean, you guys brought it up with your dad, uh, how you, you know, those are memories you're going to have forever. You think about, and I remember watching a lot of the film adaptations uh, with my parents, and you'll have those memories forever. And I think horror is more family-oriented than it's ever given credit for. You know, like I've said it before, you don't remember... I don't think you remember sitting down watching Beaches with your parents. Uh, My mom had it on VHS, but I've never seen it. <laughs> I never really heard of it, to be perfectly honest with you. Bette Midler. Oh, well, fuck. Lily Tomlin. Anyway. But yeah, I used to... But I think... used to read all the books. I, I really do think that it, uh, his films always focused on a friendship level with movies like... Like, uh... 
Stand By Me, obviously, and, you know, the story of Stand By Me, but then you think about the family elements, even, you know, within Pet Cemetery, within, you know, Sometimes They Come Back, within, you know, Cycle of the Werewolf, like, you think about all those, and, uh, you know, there, I feel like there's a, a more of a family element with particularly his work, as opposed to, you know some other writers and he is the greatest I think uh, writer of all time he truly is uh, the king so any uh, final words gentlemen any recommendations for people if they are going to get into king's work what's something doesn't even necessarily have to be your most favorite your favorite film or anything but what would you recommend someone to start in whether it be book or Christine's outside. Yeah, right there, Jesus. Uh, doing laps. Michael Berryman from uh, Weird Science out there. <laughs> uh, me, per- I would say, I mean, I know it is my favorite, but I'm, I would say Silver Bullet just because when I, I remember watching that movie and it's really just like Brian described the opening scene, the way they build suspense in that movie just sticks with me and I just love it. And the acting is great in it. And, uh, it's a it's super fun, super scary movie, and that that would be the one I I picked probably. What about you, Brian? If it doesn't have to necessarily be your favorite film, but what would you if someone you had to introduce someone to King, whether it be a book or movie, what would you recommend? I would say Stand by Me. I mean, not everyone's specifically a horror fan. It's kind of a movie that everyone can enjoy. I think. And it's a great... Everyone loves coming-of-age movies from the 80s. Definitely. Everyone loves Corey Feldman movies. All-star cast. But it also has, like, all of the classic King trademarks. So I think that would be a good place to start. Kiefer Sutherland. Hell yes. And Eyeball Chambers. But <laughs> for me, I think one of the most underrated parts of Stephen King is how he's a master of the short story. And so I would start reading-wise with Night Shift because, you know, then you don't have to commit to big, long novels. You can kind of get introduced to them. There's a lot of classic short stories in that compilation, and the, a good majority of them have all been made into films. Jerusalem's Lots in there, um, all, all, all sorts of uh, stories that people are familiar with, so... Uh, that's that's a good one to start with, you know, Quitter's Inc., which, you know, ended up in Cat's Eye and whatnot. So, but that's a, yeah, that's a great, a great compilation of short stories. Yeah, I, I think I would probably, uh, even though it is my favorite, I'd have to go with Pet Cemetery. Still creeps me out. The book's still frightening. And the film adaptation, I think, has a lot of heart, despite, um, despite not being super super close to the book i mean it's it's similar but there's obviously more character development in the book but i'd say watch i'd say gage has only grown one foot since the film was shot back in the 80s (laughs) i'd say uh re watch the film first read the book second and i think you'll enjoy the book more but Hey, guys, thanks for having it on. And if we kind of slowed down and it felt like we didn't have a lot of uh, energy for the last 15 minutes, it's because it's 101 in the morning right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, are we going to do this again, guys? I mean, Eric, you live in Pennsylvania now. John lives in Vermont. And BT lives uh, about 10 minutes away, but I never see the fuck anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to come back real soon and do a podcast one-on-one with you. Real soon? What do you think we should talk about? something that i will think about when it's not 101 in the morning as long as it's not fucking cute no, these are great it's super fun i can't wait to do the next one we are gonna do kevin tenney movies jesse i'd be down for that because john and i are going down to the new jersey horror con tomorrow and uh possibly have a little conversation with kevin tenney so that would be uh get his number have him call in yeah i have him on facebook Oh, jeez, Facebook. All right, well, thanks a lot, uh, guys, for coming and sitting in, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do this again real soon. So this has been the Hard Guy Media Podcast. If you want to follow it on 
Instagram at Heart God Media and Twitter at Heart God Media. Uh, give us a follow. Give us uh, a rating and review on iTunes, preferably the five star nature. Uh, yeah. This is Jesse AHS with Eric Tyler, Brian C. Tyler, John Engel. And this has been the Heart God Media Podcast. And this is the very end of the Stephen King episode. Thank you. We're going. He's on the other side of that. And don't look down. Right. Lewis, you all right? Almost there, Lewis. What is this place? This was their burial ground. Whose burial ground? Big Mac Indians. I brought you here to bury Ellen's cat. Each buries his own. The soil of a man's heart, Lewis, is stonier. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? Christ on his throne, no. Whoever would. How's your cat, Lewis? Jelly's cat. No. It's your cat now.